That's true, because I feel like the when we read this book the first time, when we even started this club, or whatever you want to call it, we were just doing it because we were like, yeah, maybe books might help. And now we're like, whoa, all right, there's definitely something to these books. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and You. We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and You, we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and You. I hope everyone had a good week. We are starting the next book, Retire Before Mom and Dad, by Rob Berger. We will be discussing the first three chapters of the book, which is basically a little breakdown of everything we're going to go over today. I have everybody here. Something happened with the intro, so it got a little messed up. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. It will be Amanda actually reading the whole third chapter because... It's a short little story, but it gets the point across what the book's got in store for us. So Amanda, take it away. A note to mom and dad. Dear mom and dad, my name is Rob Berger. I'm the author of this book, Retire Before Mom and Dad. I have some good news and bad news for you. First, the good news. Your son or daughter has taken the red pill and will be going away for a little bit. They are going on a journey that will change their lives for the better. This journey will teach them how to achieve financial freedom faster than they could possibly imagine. Now to the bad news. Your child's transformation may make you jealous. As a father of two, I want the best for my children. I'm sure you want the best for your son or daughter too. But let's face it, it will be a little hard to take when your grown child is financially free and you are still grinding away at the office. You should start preparing yourself emotionally for this eventuality. Even better, why don't you join your son or daughter on their journey? what they will learn that will enable them to achieve financial freedom in their 20s, 30s, and 40s can help you do the same thing in your 50s, 60s, and 70s. If you have very little saved or even nothing at all, this book can help you get back on track. In fact, the very strategies that enable some to retire early can empower those who started late to retire on time. It's never too late, and besides, wouldn't it be fun if your son or daughter retired with mom and dad rather than before mom and dad? I hope you'll join us. Best Robert Berger, retired at age 49 and again at age 51 and back to work. I love at 52. That's my goal. What is better than retiring before mom and dad is with mom and dad. Right? I just want to be able to do work that I love when I want and how I want. But if retiring before them is sooner than with them, I'd still prefer to retire before them. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's not personal, but. It's like, I love you, mom and dad, but uh, peace out. I'll be at the finish line. So it goes right into chapter one, I guess, would be the best place to start. And he basically, if you've never seen it, goes over the Matrix. He did. I did feel like he's kind of like he kind of stole a great introduction. But, <laughs> you know, if it works, it, it, it sets the, the metaphor, too, for the rest of the book, you know, with the red pill and all that stuff. No, I... It's almost, what's a better metaphor, though, because we're all falling for that trap. We all want to get a better house, get a better job, get a better, but none of that's going to ever help us in the end. It's all just shiny objects to distract us. Yeah, we've all been duped. That's what he calls it. 
So hopefully everybody's taking the red pill, ready to go down this journey with us. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to take the red pill? For me, it would was when I finally realized that the money I was working for wasn't mine to keep. So I feel like that's the red pill, is giving your money away and never trying to keep any of it. Do you have a better? No, well, I, I guess this guy says that if you take the red pill, it means that you realize that... Um... Like, it opens your eyes to reality. Oh, if we go off our last book, it's pretty much the glass being removed. The uh, yellow glass, always seeing it out the world in a different lens. Yeah, it's exactly like that. If I can quote this guy, he says, In our world... Uh, the deception we've come to believe about money and happiness comes from many sources. It comes from TV commercials, our parents, our friends, complete strangers, magazines, and the internet. And then he says there's five lies that if you realize they're lies, then you've taken the red pill. I kind of like those. It's it's like playing a video game. You have to com- you have to get five you know beat five temples and then and then you get to the final boss. And you realize you've been playing the wrong game the whole time. <laughs> oh, man, that was my 20s. So what are these five lies? The first one, financial freedom requires a large salary. And if you listen to our podcast before, you would know that is definitely a lie. That it doesn't matter about your job. It's all about what you save. It's not how much you make. It's how much you keep. Exactly. 10% of whatever you're making is... Dude, we have to, we should mention that this guy's, the whole, the entire book relies on the premise that you're going to invest your savings. That's, yes. Uh... Um, I wrote down an example that I wanted to, that I wanted to say. It was, if you saved $5,000 per year for 45 years, which is like the average time that you work. And I think if you divide that, it's like $416 per month. So really, I guess that would be like a hundred bucks a week, whatever. So that equals two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. And then if you invested that with the average return, he says that your two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars would turn into three million four hundred and twenty-one thousand six hundred and twenty dollars and eleven cents. Yeah, that's nuts. Because of compound interest, it doubles every eight or ten years, I think. Every 10 years, your money doubles. So the last 10 years, your million and a half doubles to 3 million. Right. But and that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Like, you I, can't even do anything I, with that. I, like, I didn't. Try to retire on that. You got what? Maybe a little house somewhere. It, and if you do it just right, you can live. Like, what, 3 million? I mean, I didn't house wherever know you want, and you can live the rest of your life for sure. About that before. And once I actually learned it and understood it i was my mind was so blown i was like once you actually get a certain amount of money saved the way that it literally doubles itself just right yeah. before your eyes mm-hmm. it's crazy it's crazy and when you get enough money you like will literally just live off the compound interest right yeah. right like it takes a while to get there it could take you 10 10 years to save up but once you get there then it just starts so fast multiplying it's a snowball effect for sure that goes right into number two though financial freedom takes 40 years to achieve and that is definitely a lie as we were just saying if you did it right it should be 10 maybe 15 years you could do it 
it also depends on how much you spend monthly. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who is an expensive date, then you're probably going to take a little longer to get to the point where you can sustain yourself just off of your investments. But if you're someone who's very, um, shoot, what's the word? Modest? Yeah, like you have a modest life. Thrifty. Uh, thrifty. Anyways, if you live your life like that word, then you'll need a lot less. Like if you spend $2,000 a month, then you only need like $900,000 invested to live off of the But you also have to remember once you start getting more money, how much are you, how much do you want to be able to spend a month? Frugal is the word, frugal. Well, we just had this realization today. Well, I mean, maybe I didn't. I don't know about Amanda, but because of our debts, that's the thing that's keeping us from even putting more into our investing right now because we're willing. We're willing to put everything into our investing, but, I mean, you have to pay off your debts, obviously, first. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say, are you doing the 70-20-10 strategy from the richest man in Babylon or different strategy? I can't say that I've put it down to a complete science yet, but... I would say without writing anything down... Just from what I know, because I take care of everything, that's about what that's about what it is, is 70, 20, 10. But we do, our first bill is definitely us, every time. Stash is the first payment. Yeah, Stash is actually right now is m- more than 10%. Nice. So we're investing more like 18%, I would say, right now nice from from one weekly paycheck so uh yeah we don't really and we we really don't buy anything anymore that we don't need but if we were out of debt i think it would easily be 30 yeah i mean we would want it to be if we were out of debt i'd be putting 50 percent in it if we yeah whatever we could everything that you could yeah for sure because because then like said then it'll only take 10 years instead of 30 as soon as you like the more money in there, the quicker you're going to get to where you want to be. Dude, the other thing this guy this guy mentions is that <clears throat> financial freedom is not uh, a destination; it's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. Yes, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it doesn't take forty years to achieve financial freedom. It might take less because, let's say, you can start to enjoy the fruits after six months or a year or ten years. Less, I would say. You guys, we're already seeing the... No, I was just going to say that. You might be able to realize that you don't have to work 54 hours a week. You could do just 30 hours, and with everything that it's, way it's going, it's not going to affect it much. And you'll have time to start working on other mm-hmm. projects you want to work on. And maybe, you know, as we say, it's not about how much money you make, it's how much you keep. So if you're making extra hours at work, but... You're blowing it all on coffee and energy drinks because you can't sleep to do the job. Then it's kind of pointless. Uh, what's number three? <laughs> happiness is expensive. Okay, well, that one's easy. Happiness is expensive because that's really up to you, as you were saying. Yeah. I mean, if... Yeah, it depends. Do you want to... You want a mansion and everything. Do you want to drive a Honda? Yeah, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, it's like, do you want to drive a Honda or do you want a BMW? What do you want? Do you want a Ferrari? Yeah. 
The thing is that Mercedes. The thing is that this guy says that you gotta be careful because if you listen to the Matrix, then they're all telling you that you do need these things for for ha to be happy. <clears throat> like you need a house to be happy, you need right. a car to be happy, you need expensive clothes. But... Yeah, he says that this lie, lie number three, is the most pernicious of all of the five lies. It uses our own habits against us. We so often spend money not from deliberate choices, but from the habits and routines of life. Once these habits form, they are difficult to break. Yeah, from Warren Buffett, he's an he's an investor. You want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. It says, um, as famed investor Warren Buffett has stated, chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. That's a powerful quote. It is. It makes me think of the house that. He- I'm not quite sure what chapter it is, one of these three, but people have literally like 100 times the amount of room they need in their house, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, no. It, according to Forbes magazine, the average American home has grown from 1,000 square feet to 2,500 square feet. And Americans still spend $24 billion a year on self-storage. Self-storage. Like, which that's is how much junk, junk we have. You're letting rot in a shed. Yeah. Insane. Wow. And I, and we have a lot of junk. I know we do. We, you are a super hoarder. Of junk, though. It, it, you're right. It, it started is. as It's junk. not like we're buying all these things and storing them. Like, a lot of them we, like, find on the side of the road. Like, some one man's junk is another man's treasure. But still, we like our stuff. People like stuff. Which I think is a mentality thing. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Was people like things. No, is that a matrix though? That's a good question. I think so. One of the problems with liking things is that things keep your mind entertained from the thing from the things from what really matters, <laughs> which is your financial independence. Yeah. If you have a lot of things and you have to constantly be Absolutely. thinking about where to keep them, how to maintain them, get special oils and dang, it's all a trap. Wow. It's mm-hmm. true. It also I like I just like how it says this routines and habits it says it's like quicksand it's difficult to escape yes exactly and you don't even see it coming it's like that's literally perfect right because it's it happens by a force of habit so you don't you're just walking down the road it's, it's a gradual process wait, so you don't here? you don't realize it and then until it's too late and technically it's literally your fault it's like it's your own fault you know, that's that's deep because there comes a point where you just have to stop blaming your environment. Like you you are exactly who you want to be. Oh no, actually you're exactly who you wanted to be. There's a lag. I think it's like a two year lag. I forget how long. You should never be the person who you wanted to be because that should always be changing. That's what you're saying. Oh, the two year well, lag is because you're never catching up. No, well, your... oh, well, well, I'm saying that um you're responsible for your whatever's happening in your life. Chances are that you know you did something or didn't do something that brought it up, that brought it into being. And the other one is that let's say I decide to work out, I'm not going to see the results of working out of that habit for I don't know, I don't think it's two years, it might be less, maybe six months. Oh, so you're like, I get what you're yeah. saying, it's your two years. Of your life are kind of what you're basing yourself off of right now. It's like, exactly. It's like, oh, the person that I am right now is the result of the decisions that I made about 
about two years ago. Well, that makes sense. I agree. I can see that. What's number four? Well, so far we have, let's see. We've had financial freedom requires a big salary. That's the first one. The second one is financial freedom takes 40 years or longer to achieve. The third one is happiness is expensive. And the fourth one is investing is complicated. What? But it is. No? It is and it isn't. But nowadays, it's completely different. You're right. Even if you want to go as basic as Robin Hood, that can be the change that you spend on every dollar, isn't it? It rounds up. Acorns. Acorns. Or acorns. Thank you. No, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Well, it's like you're just on Stash, Robin Hood, any of those. You just... Maybe a company that you really like, or you you maybe heard people talking about a certain <clears throat> company. Just Google it, read about it, set it on automatic investments, and then boom, every week you're investing. Yeah, it's literally it takes you enough time as to learn any other app. Well, if you don't even want to like do the research, think about what do you use every day? Are you a baseball player? What player would you pick on that team? You would know the best. So think about that. What. What do you know the best? Like, what's the most famous? Is it Apple? You're like, oh, everybody has an iPhone, so then you're going to pick Apple. He's the best player on the team right now. Mm-hmm. Like, invest invest in products that you use or that you know other people use. That you know, yes. Pop, invest in popular companies, things like that. But that's even without... I'm just saying, like, I know nothing about it, honestly. And I got on the on your stash app the other day and transferred money from one into another and that it took me 30 seconds to learn how to do it all you have to do is download the app and stare at it for a minute you'll figure it out so it really is that simple it's got to be 100 youtube videos too i mean i know it can get really complicated and i know it does it is really complicated and i know people make you know spend their whole days sometimes learning and trading and whatever they're doing but i'm just talking for the basic human (laughs) <laughs> you can just do it off the app. You can. It's not hard What's to your, just get started. Is there a point though where you should be getting expert advice, even as a beginner, or should you just be sticking to the app? And- I guess it depends on how how hard you want to go on it. Don't uh, pay somebody to invest for you because then you're gonna. Well, you'll learn about that later. You're gonna end up losing a lot of money because you're gonna be paying out to somebody else. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think if you're. So this is our opinion because we're not financial advisors. Yeah, just opinions. If if you're just starting and, and you just have a regular, if you have a regular job, then don't pay anybody. It just, it's not necessary. Just stick to the apps. Yeah. Watch a YouTube video mm-hmm. if you need to, if you have nobody else to ask for advice. There is so yeah, much like, free do, resources. Do, due diligence and do your own research. Yeah, this guy's right. You can actually make it so that you only spend 30 minutes a year. Oh, when he said that, I was like, if that, now that I think about it, I mean, unless I want to, I'm like, I'm looking at him because it's fun to me. I'm not looking at him because I'm like, I got to maintain this machine. It's like, you know, something that I'm ready to work on, ready to yeah, find the next thing. The only changes you would make is when you want to increase the amount that you're investing weekly. And number five, the one that got me, that is just a factor of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody has it. What are you gonna do? But it's okay because it's good that it can be good that yes. I heard that one too. <clears throat> Everybody's guilty of rationalizing it. As I say, personally, I believe that there is good debt that you can have, but that's just my own opinion. 
I don't agree with him. Oh, no, he, oh no, there absolutely is if you're buying houses. and What he says is that we we don't identify the good debt properly. We think we're getting into good debt when we're not. I needed the new car. It's to get to work. But did I really need the the $40,000 car just to get to work? Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> You could have got a Honda. Yeah. You need, you know, I need a place to live, but do you need a $400,000 home or? Maybe like a $180,000 home. Yeah. If it's your first house, like why? It doesn't need to be a big house. It's just to start, you're going to change it after a couple of years. But I just got this new job and I needed to show everyone that I got this new job. Uh-huh. That one is the worst, too. People, they buy the big house just to... I can afford four rooms. But you're a single man. (laughs) And then you got to get the new car to go along with it. Because you got an empty garage and you don't want people to see that. That's embarrassing. So you need a radio. Oh, gosh. What is this open space in this garage? (laughs) Mm, They need a boat. (laughs) What's What's the abbreviation for boat? Oh, I, my question was, did you guys ever get tricked by the car salesman act? What do you mean? I feel like I did when I was a kid. The whole, when they sit you down and they show you your expenses and how much it will be and have to run in your credit. Well, that's like, how it oh, is every well, time you buy a car. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I just want like a $2,000 beater. And he's like. Well, why is that? Because you can't afford it? And I'm like, well, no, I can afford it. What do you mean? Like, he insulted me. And then I was ready to... Then I bought a car for the next six years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember that happening to me. I just went in and said, I want this car. Give it to me for this price or I'm not buying it. And then they wouldn't do it. So I told them I was going somewhere else. And then they lowered the price. Yeah, Rob literally says in the book that everyone is willing to help you see how much you can afford. Just like that car salesman. Yeah, because that's money in their pocket if you if you buy. So it says, these five lies convince us that financial freedom is not realistic for us. And the worst part is that everyone believes them. Mm-hmm. Now that you've taken the pill, you'll hear people talking and you'll realize it. And you'll be like, oh, man, it really is that bad. Oh, it is. Yeah. I was at work one day, guys. And I got so irritated over something because, and then I came home and I told Juan about it. I said, I cannot believe at how these people's mindsets are. Like, I can't remember exactly how I put it because this was weeks ago now, but it was basically like they're slaves to the job. They are in the rat race and it's, it, they don't like, care I was, at I was all. so irritated and there was only like one person there that really understood why I was getting so mad. And the other ones didn't. And I'm just like, I just was in awe, just in awe that everybody else was just okay with what was going on, basically. Yeah, well, that's what he says, is that everybody believes it. Every, everyone believes these lies. That's what we've all been brought up and raised and conditioned to think, that the American dream is big house, big truck, big everything. The American trap now. He says, everyone chases shiny things in search of him. That's so powerful because you can't, you're always looking for the next thing and then you get the truck, but in a year, that's a 2002 truck, you know, it's 2024. What are you doing to that thing? So now. Yeah, it's um, I, I, the hedonic treadmill is what he called it. 
Yeah. It's a psychological theory. It suggests that humans each have a baseline of happiness. So if you get a raise or a new car or even a new dress, it raises your level of happiness, but eventually everybody comes back down to their baseline. Like you're saying, eventually everything is just another thing. Like everything loses its, what is the word I'm looking for? Imagine what financial freedom feels like. That's an everyday thing. Every day from that point on. It's not like a... The honeymoon period. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. No, that's perfect. There is no honeymoon. Like, oh, well, man, I'm really going to be upset that I don't have to work today. And even he brings the point that he went back to work two different times. And it wasn't because he, like, lost his... Well, I don't know. Maybe it is because he lost his money. But it seems like it's because he wanted to. Oh, yeah. He likes finding jobs. It was because he wanted to. Because it said that um, because he had... Or because he wanted to at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. Said he started a blog and a podcast, and then he worked for Forbes. And so I think he did a bunch of different things after he was on his financial freedom road. He talks, he explains about it. He says, it's funny, he says, I, I ran a marathon on the hedonic treadmill. I went to college, I got married, I bought the house, I got the kids, planned to retire at 65. But then he realizes that he was tired of working to consume and consuming to work. And I like that. Does that make sense? Can you break that down for me? I think Juan should break that down. Dude, I don't know. Consuming to work. Yeah. I was a little... Meaning like... Like he's not really talking about food. <laughs> but in a way he might be. Like, because you're working to consume so you can get the things that you need. But then the things that you need, you need it because of work. Okay, yeah, that's what it means. Oh, it means that working to survive and then surviving to work. You can't afford the new truck you just bought, so you have to work even more. Okay, right. That makes sense. Because he says all the stuff now that they had was just chaining, chaining him down to a life of hard labor. And they still weren't actually happy. That's the thing you have to open your eyes to, is that are you truly happy? I mean, if you are, then... This obviously isn't for you. You need to stay in the world you're in. You're doing good. But if you look around and you got everything, you got everything as it's, you know, the four wheeler, the truck and everything. But at the end of the day, if you get fired tomorrow and you have to return it all, then you really had nothing. Sounds like happiness is on loan. Somebody else owns your happiness. Is that what that would, that's kind of like, I feel like that, that, that's what that means. I can't stop stuttering. No, not on my watch. Mm-mm. Nah, girlfriend. Own your own happiness. That's why I, I guess it's it, it makes sense to think of financial freedom as the objective rather than the things that you will get with your financial freedom. So instead of saying, oh, I want my financial freedom so that I can get me a sailboat and then travel the world, just... Go for the financial freedom, and then once you, because it, it'll never end. Financial freedom, you you can keep going. No, maybe not. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like rather than your goal being like, oh, I'm gonna buy a forty thousand dollar truck someday, like, like that, like that's a small, like big deal. Once you once you buy it, then what? Exactly. It's gonna get it's gonna get old. It's gonna rust. So financial Only freedom. Only if you're in like, upstate. <laughs> But I get what you're saying. Financial freedom is never-ending uh, satisfaction. Like Connor said, 
that financial freedom was a, a permanent high rather than one that comes yeah. and goes. So then he goes on to explain in the movie, The Matrix, about the blue pill or the red pill. And he says that the red pill opens up your eyes to reality and that this book is the red pill. And that was the part that I thought was really cool. So it will change your life if you listen. Oh, and, and unlearn everything you thought to be true. Which I hope by now, unless you just started joining us, but you have already decided to swallow that pill. I feel like the important thing to point out is that unlike the Matrix, as soon as you swallow the pill, it doesn't instantly turn everything into the out of the matrix and you don't it's a slow process i feel like there's you got to notice it over time and with changes and it's a lifestyle as he says unlearn everything that you thought was true yeah you have to approach it with an open mind i might have said that and then he goes into chapter two which is the game plan once you've taken the red pill what's next you gotta have a game game plan. plan get out of this debt because if you don't know where you're going you'll end up somewhere else I feel like that was me. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't care either. Never once thought about it. It wasn't even a second thought. Just walk down this road and do what you're told. Yeah, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter which road you take. So it's that's that's dangerous. So he goes on to welcome everybody to the Freedom Fighters. Oh, that's why he calls <laughs> them. Yeah. <laughs> which the the Freedom Fighters are a group of people who believe. The best thing money can buy is financial freedom. Amen to that. So I guess I want to be a freedom fighter. Yep. Me too. And then he goes over the uh, superpowers that we all get now that we've decided to swallow the red pill. Well, really, he just kind of highlights the next five parts that we're going to learn throughout the book. The first one is your superpower that everybody has. Says the superpower of the freedom fighters is the money multiplier. That's what he calls compound interest. And that goes with Amanda's story from the beginning. The ability to turn the... 225000 into over $3 million. Exactly. Over the course of 45 years. Insane. That is crazy. Without changing your lifestyle. It's just all from putting the money that you're yeah. going to put into savings into work. And not getting one raise. Which is unlikely. (laughs) That is a good point. Then we're going to go over part two, financial freedom, and how to make use of your money. How to use the superpower. (laughs) Yeah, how to use the money multiplier. can't read it like it's (laughs) (laughs) I like how he points out that depending on when you start and depending on how much you save and invest affects how much money you will have and when you can retire. Because he says if you, cause if you're someone who starts at 20 and you, you put in a good amount, you can retire in your 30s. And if you start in your 30s, you could requ- retire in your 40s. But then it's fun, he says, but if you don't, if you don't want to retire and you want to work those whole 45 years, but, and you still want to invest as much as you can, you are going to retire with a buttload of money. <laughs> <For> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, so. Yeah, I do like how he simplifies and breaks down the math to figure it out. Because it's really not that hard once you look at what he has in the book. It might sound like a lot to figure out, but it's not. Part three, the cost of happiness, which is a lot. Well, it depends on you, I guess, mostly. <laughs> no, us, it's not it's, a lot. It's a good chunk. Say, it's, it's not a, a lot because the last thing that we just read that was a myth 
is saying that happiness costs a lot, remember? This part is the shoot. What do you call it when you budget? Yes. Small changes can make a huge difference. Yes, you make a budget. And then you also need to learn about the power of your habits and how they shape your financial future without your consent. You're saying that the habits that you picked up from everyday consuming, as in like we used to have with the channels, we needed 27 movie channels. But that's just because everybody convinced us we needed to watch 27 different shows. Did you ever watch 27 different shows at the same time? No, we watched like two. That's yeah, why they're no. all gone. <laughs> That's exactly why. Yeah, it was just, it just happened over time. And it, and it just never really were aware of it. And then one day, like, boom, you're spending $100 a month on streaming services for shows that you don't watch. Yeah, we got rid of some of ours, too. And I canceled some subscriptions that I had. Yeah, um, it's like uh, he points out the myth of sacrifice, which, um, because if you... Once you learn that sacrifice isn't really a bad thing, it's actually a good thing, and it can open up the door for more opportunities for you. Yeah, it's like um, it's like going to sleep before Christmas. You want to go to sleep so that you wake up and open the presents. Well, to go with our TV thing is that now we also have hours that we have found other things to do, such as work on this podcast and other hobbies that we choose to do instead of wasting them watching some tv show that by the end of it yeah it's it's almost the same thing as the temporary you know where like oh this that was really cool and then like three days later we don't even remember that show at all yeah yeah yeah, it's just another temporary (laughs) high just another temporary happiness that's true part four is autopilot investing he says that he's he's going to teach us he said if you're scared, it's okay. He's got us. <laughs> he wants to get us to understand that investing doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very, very simple. That's going to be interesting. And then we finished up with part five. Go over the practical considerations. Loans, debts, and how to manage it while you're also building wealth. That's awesome because that goes right along with our last book. You're still allowed to do the... 10, 7, 20. The, it says that we finally look at obstacles that may get in the way as you move towards financial freedom. And it also says that your inner voice, um, it might be telling you things like you'll never have enough. You aren't smart enough to invest. You'll never get out of debt. Your partners, your parents struggled financially and you're destined to do the same. Financial freedom is for the rich people, not you. What does the idiot writing this book know Any. Anyway, oh, sorry, that was my inner voice. <laughs> that was funny. So that just lets that, you know that it's not going to go away because he still has it even now as someone who's successful in restarting his business and writing this book for fun. He's he, still got this voice. Yeah, he makes a point to say that you have to be aware of this voice that you have and 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 not ignore it. You More like you need to acknowledge it, and but then don't give in to it and realize and basically tell it that that it's wrong and that that's not right and that you that you do deserve financial freedom and and just keep going and you'll get there and ignore all that habosh dabosh mumbo jumbo self-doubt bull you got us we're here for you we'll help you through the journey (laughs) do not fear we are here (laughs) 
Um, so what's the chap the the title of next week's chapter? Your superpower. Nice. No. No. The money multiplier. Which is your superpower. Our superpower. Now that we've taken the pill. Nice. I'm excited. Show me the secret. Yeah, we got the momentum. It's cool because we have a momentum, and we are. We, we cannot. We cannot think. Oh, these guys are full of, because we see it work. We yeah. know that it works. Yeah, we're already we're already in it just a little bit. So we're like, yeah, we want more. That's true because I feel like the when we read this book the first time when we even started this club or whatever you want to call it we. We're just doing it because we're like, yeah, maybe books might help. And now we're like, whoa, all right, there's definitely something to these books. We're like, give us more books. <laughs> That's very true. It's like downloading all this like data I, into your brain, yeah. like in the Matrix. Like I went to the library today. <laughs> I haven't been to the library in uh, 15 years. She said the woman there was so happy. She's like, a person in the library? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I made her day. It was unreal. This nice little old woman. She was like, oh, you need a library card? Oh, I'll give you a tour. Oh, welcome to our library. Like, it, she was so sweet. You want some tea and cookies? No. If she had some, she would have given me them. She was so <laughs> She, was, she was so, her, I, I, the joy it brought her to have somebody come in and want to and want to use the library. It was just crazy. So that may not be everybody, but it's definitely just to let you know they're not going to be in there yelling at you. Like these are our books; they're ready and excited it, for you. If anything, it's kind of sad. Like, why don't you go do a good deed and visit your local library? It's <laughs> <laughs> your good deed for the week. Make someone go, ha- go tell your local librarian that you care about him. Yes, that's your call to action. Go visit the local you. library and get a card. Go get a book. Make them feel useful. Yeah, I'm serious. Oh wow, yeah, the last time I had a library card, yeah, that was a long time ago. See, See? everybody needs to go. Do the it. Forgotten librarians out there, they're sad. I saw one today. Call to action. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need like a noise for that. Get right. your library cards. Yeah, it can be like. Uh, I. I kind of wanted to read this quote. It's technically for chapter four, but if it's okay, I want to read it. If you decide to cut it out, you can. Give everybody a little sneak peek. But it it says that, so chapter four is the money multiplier. And the quote that it starts with is, the world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. WB Yeats. So it's just, it's cool because we're gonna learn more things in the upcoming chapters i think it's it's fun we're gonna sharpen our senses all right everybody see you here next week yeah sounds like a plan bye get the book at the local library grab the book it's free bye everybody see you later alligator thank you for joining us this week we hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303andU at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.